Welcome to I Asked Therefore I Am Season 3. How are urban farmers changing the world? When I talk to people about urban farming, there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of mystery about this beautiful industry. So, in this season, Season 3, we are going to find the answers about urban farming. What is urban farming? What is it really? What's the potential of urban farming? What is happening these days in urban farming? What is the strategy of this movement? Or how far in this strategy are we? So we are going to talk to many people involved in the urban farming movement. From the entrepreneurs to the researchers and policy makers. From the social vegetable garden heroes to the vertical farming operators. My name is Jeff Anaker. Welcome to I Ask Therefore I Am, Season 3. How are urban farmers changing the world? Welcome to the very first episode of the third season of I Ask Therefore I Am with the amazing title, How Are Urban Farmers Changing the World? Uh, in this episode, we're going to lay the groundwork for the rest of the season. And for this groundwork... We have invited uh, a very special person, also a very special person, because this, this is the very first video interview ever. So we invited a handsome person too. Eh? <laughs> I just uh, did a big workout because I wanted to look uh, really pumped on the on the video. Yeah, you asked me to. Huh? Yeah. I asked you to. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the person you're hearing is Kunra Tepo from Strategies and Leaders. Yeah, and I already have like the the first big multiple choice question for you. <laughs> Uh, Kunrat, why do you think I invited you? And it's important, everybody at home also, think about why I invited Kunrat here. There's five options. The first option is uh, Kunrat founded Strategies and Leaders. It's a consulting organization for socio-ecological organizations. Basically, he's consulting organizations that are making this world a better place. First option. Mm. Second option is Strategies and Leaders is not just a company. It's a co-worker, co-owned yeah. company. So it's a cooperative. A yeah. Cooperative, yeah. yeah. Third option is you live in a co-housing with 60 people. Yeah, with th 32 children also, 32. which of, I think around 20 of them are, on, uh, are in their puberty. So <laughs> oh that, that's a lot of hormones going through the house and stuff. Yeah. It's a really interesting uh, experiment. It's a brave choice too. Yeah, we didn't foresee that when we started. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we can like do a group uh, purchase on uh, on uh, the pill, if you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. you can really do that. Yeah, yeah you can. If you, yeah, no, we do, we don't do that. But uh, maybe you should. Uh, I think we should start thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, a, but I live I live together with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah it's a smart move. And the fourth option is you can bench press ninety kilograms. Yeah, that's and and I think you will still go up. I think yeah yeah. I, I, I'm bulking now, so. My plan is to do a hundred before before uh, the next Easter. Yeah. Okay. The fifth option is all of the above. So, why do you think I invited you here? One of the. Five I'm gonna. Uh, you have to answer. Uh, have to answer. I think because I'm a really pain in the ass, and <laughs> uh, uh, and I try to do things differently. I, I've done, uh, uh, and I actually I think I'm sometimes successful in doing things differently, um, like. 
I think the way I work, I work and the way I um, live is quite disruptive. And I, and and that's because I asked myself a lot of uh, difficult questions. Are you gonna just buy the house and do the uh, do the um, house uh, children uh, happy family thing, or are you gonna do the the job thing uh, that everybody is doing, or gonna are you gonna do it differently? Um, and I think urban farming is about asking difficult questions and doing things really different. Diff different, I think. Um, and maybe is everybody saying to you that's a stupid idea? <laughs> a lot of people no, told never. never no, everybody loves urban yeah, farming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it's um, a lot of people in my life told me that uh, what I was trying to do is uh, will not work and is really stupid. Not will not have an impact, but. I, I showed them different, uh, different ways. Yeah. So basically, that's all of the above. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you. I'm not. I'm not gonna fit into your quizzes. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're fitting. You're fitting. <laughs> well, that's actually the right answer. All of the above, um, because. In my opinion, you're, you're like walking the talk. You're trying to, you're not just starting a company to consult sustainable or socio-ecological companies or organizations. You're actually also doing it yourself, like sharing the company, mm -hmm. uh, sharing your co-housing, uh, also being living the healthy life, of course. And and for me, that's part of the reason, no, not part of the reason, that's actually what we need to do in this world to become more sustainable as a society mm -hmm. not just have the the Elon Musks or the very rich people give us the solutions, but actually come up with solutions together because it's the future of also international politics, for example. Mm -hmm. But also international politics starts with living together with 60 people in a co-housing, yeah. for example, or sharing your company. Like one of the, you know, local here in Ghent, the yeah. restaurant, yeah. Arnu also started this on his, his own and then all of a sudden shared it with his co-workers. Yeah. Like now this is our company instead of just my company. And I like that. Why, why do you like the co thing so much? Um, it's really painful, the co, the co thing. <laughs> <It's pain. laughs> I, I like pain, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's uh, if, if we look uh, deep into my soul, I think that's uh, all about it. I'll, I'll explain you. So I... I this is the third time I started a, a company. Uh, and this is the third time in now in three years, we are like uh, doing a revenue of uh, between one and two million euro. It's nice. Um, so that that's is a lot of energy going through and through a, a, lot of, a lot of energy going to scale up a system. So we are now at 30 uh, people working for the company and we're going to 100 200 now next years and i shared the th the 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 company there was a moment when i thought i'm not going to share this third company also because when i don't share it i'm going to get rich really rich yeah yeah if if you know something about companies if you scale from from uh, zero to 2 million in, in a few years your shares are really i can buy Valuable. I can buy buy a Ferrari now mm. with my shares. But it's not true because I, I share them with all my co-workers. So they together we can buy a Ferrari. But I don't want a Ferrari. I, I so it's a, there was a moment that that I shared 
all my my IDs and and the company, uh, and I uh, felt and it hurt that to share that because I knew that that was really good for the company, but in the end, I wasn't gonna get rich, and that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, really, I'm, I'm not not poor, eh? but uh, I'm also um, how do you call it? I'm also influenced by the stereotype of an entrepreneur getting um, personally personally really rich by doing uh, his thing. So I did um, three times I did a scale up and I didn't decide to get uh, personally rich, yeah. but I got really impactful companies. Yeah. And that's... Um, I like this more than than being uh, having a Ferrari, yeah. and it does keep you hungry, no? Uh, does it keep you hungry? Like hungry to to create more impact or to maybe get a bit more rich because you share your 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 gains mm -hmm. basically, but you still get some gains. Yeah, I get a lot of gains, but they are and I get and I and I have a really really good salary but um i get really rich uh, on a personal level because if uh, now the company is owned with uh, the the company is owned by nine people we started with six uh, owners now nine and and i think in the end of next year there will be 15 but that are and we work uh, through a system called deep democracy uh, that means i'm not the, the ceo we uh, uh, decide together how to do our sales, how to do our marketing. We also have um, also four employees now, so we decide a lot of stuff together. That means that um, I'm uh, different than a lot of my um, fellow uh, company own owners. So I worked a lot together at Aurelie, and Aurelie is really uh, all about intuition. So I'm really all about a strategy, rational, uh, money, and she's all about feelings. And, mm. and if you have to take so together a decision uh, about uh, what will we do with this company, that's re really, it's it's a confrontation of different personalities and it's a difficult discussion. But in the end, I get richer as a person. Yeah. It's the perfect balance of yin and yang, basically. At the yeah, company. That, that's, 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 uh, that's true. Yeah, that's what we... Uh, aim that and we I think we work it out yeah. I like that well that's why you're here yeah because uh, going uh, over to urban farming mm. I've been working a lot in urban farming movement a lot about the code thing also I've been worked in a couple of network organizations local and Ghent Urban Farming for example Green Nest VZT but also internationally with the Association for Vertical Farming when it was still the biggest uh, I have to watch out what I say here. Uh, <laughs> um, and I also started my own urban farm. Uh, and then I do urban farming education online. So I have some experience in urban farming. But like I said in the pre-talk, oh. I know a lot, but I don't know a lot because I know a lot. You know, what, mm. Was it Socrates that said something like that? Was, uh, he, I think he was Greek, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a Greek philosopher. Yeah. Uh, but basically I have big ideas and visions for urban farming but there's a lot of holes in my knowledge mm. so you and your questions about urban farming about are going to lay the groundwork of 
for all the questions I have to ask to the real specialists, like uh, mm-hmm. the specialist and research, uh, the specialist in policy or the specialist entrepreneurs. Yeah. We're going to talk to all of, all of them uh, in the next 11, 12 episodes mm-hmm. of 2022. We are 2022 right now. Conrad, so you know. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, we are. We are recording this in 2021. In summer. Summer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, uh, for the record, this is 15 December 2021. It's a beautiful day. Very beautiful day. Yep. Anyway, but uh, before we get started, Conrad, what do you know about urban farming? Not much. Um, I think I saw you for first time. Uh, I saw you uh, first time. At, at, I think you were pitching at the Social Innovasi Fabric, um, and I thought uh, about your oh, yeah, you ma- mushrooms. Yeah, and, mushroom thought, company, yeah. Uh, and then I heard about Roof Food, um, who's doing things on uh, urban farmer. I, I think or urban farming. I think. Yeah, and. Uh, Maybe that's the that's the the biggest question I had, and I still have is why, why why are you doing this? I don't I don't get it. I, I think it's nice, um, and it's like hip hip. I think, mm. but I didn't see. I can ask you a lot of questions about the the, the business model and pricing and and um, uh, and so and impact and stuff. But why are people doing this? Because I think it's like. My first reflection um, is, yeah, you're trying to do something really hard in a context that's not, uh, was not intended to to do it in. Why are you making yourself like uh, so difficult? Uh, just buy some <laughs> land. <laughs> I think many urban farmers watching are going to be like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but just like you, they yeah. like pain. <laughs> I, I think it's good for your Instagram. So, <laughs> but and maybe you can get hooked up uh, with, with your story then. But so um, uh, this provocative question, because of course you have a really good answer on it. But why are you? Yeah. Are people doing this? Well, this, your world is going to open. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. There's there's this, this there's bias, right? People start doing something, and then they find reasons to actually do it. Yeah, urban farming. I don't know what was first though. I think people just started doing it and then all these beautiful benefits came. But that's for later. Though. Yeah. <laughs> First, quiz time. Quiz time. What is urban farming? It's for everybody. There's two options in this uh, multiple choice question quiz. What is the definition of urban farming? Oh, shit. You're, you can already read the answer, Kunrat. Just don't read the um, I'm not going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> so the first option is... Um, Urban farming is growing food in a city or heavily populated town or municipality. So yeah. very focused on growing food. Mm-hmm. And the second option, uh, urban agriculture is the practice of cultivating, processing and distributing food in and around urban areas. So that urban areas, you can basically say that like in and around, mm-hmm. it's the whole of Flanders, for example, yeah. is urban farming. So what do you think the definition is of urban farming? Um, uh, um you know, I studied uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm. So uh, only based on your behavior, I think it's the second. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the second. Uh, what, what gave answer. it? No. Yeah, it's your tone of vo- your tone of voice. It was different. Okay. Yeah, your tone. Uh, it's like you were more serious, and you. Were, I think you you hinted that, that 
that's the answer. Am I right? Uh, not completely. Ah, no? Because the answer is... Uh, the first one. There's no. No. The answer is, it depends who you ask. Um, it's like okay. some people... But I think the second one is what you believe. Uh, not necessarily. It's what I'm active in. Ah. But in my opinion, the first one is closer to what urban farming is. Mm -hmm. And the second one is more about the whole food movement inside a city. Yeah. And it's like urban farming is highly connected to the food movement inside mm -hmm. the city. Yeah. But logistics or processing of food, uh, I would not say is necessarily urban farming. So can you, but, do, can you have the, the, the one without, without the other? Uh. I think you can have one without the other, but they're stronger together. Basically. Okay. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's, it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> is and this like the whole time trick questions? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the, first. I can, I can like have a trick answers then. <laughs> <laughs> you are doing very good at trick <laughs> answers. Uh, Neurolinguistic programming is not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but it was a good, uh, a very good. Yeah. Like I, I like the the. But you're all all, all about the movement, I think. Yes, uh, I am all about. You're the you're movement. you're not like a typical. Uh, you didn't tell anything about mushrooms yet, and your passion for mushrooms. Do you have a passion for mushrooms. I have a passion for mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're for other features. for other. Um, Uh, are they a vegetable? No, they're a fungus. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well, I like vegetables too. I like insects too. I like ah, yeah. growing fish too. But uh, me and mushrooms, we have something special. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. uh, Can make like, a lot of money on it. Yeah. Well, on the special mushrooms. Yeah. I'm not Maybe, in, like yeah. I'm not into those kind of mushrooms. Ah, okay, okay. Like when we had the mushroom farm, everybody was like, "Oh, oh what type of mushrooms are yeah, you yeah, growing?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the a, special ones. Yeah, shiitake. Uh, um, Maitake, yeah, yeah, yeah. lion's mane. <laughs> yeah, I li I don't like mushrooms. I really, I don't like them. You don't. Like, you <laughs> have not eaten the mushrooms I have eaten. No. <laughs> <laughs> But mushrooms don't only have the the benefits of food. They have a lot of other benefits. That's why I love them so much. Okay, they're like they. Without mushrooms, there would be no life on this earth. Maybe okay. on the seas there would be life, but not not on Earth. Okay. It's, uh, But that's, that's uh, the, there's other podcasts for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but you're mushroom specialist. Yeah. No, I wouldn't call myself a mushroom. I worked with mushroom specialists. Ah, okay. I'm more of a, like I, I try to do biomimicry, biomimicry yeah, with mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Like I apply the principles of mushrooms into kind of yeah, strategy and, and network organizations. A mushroom is a network. Yeah, yeah. And if all networks, organizations would apply mushrooms, mushroom network mycelium kind of thing yeah my colleague Kuhn is also about uh, biomimicry biomimicry and using uh, nature strategies and in, in, uh, company strategies yeah. they're good I, i've never seen him do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's um it's interesting how mushrooms work but i also have to say Biomimicry is also dangerous because nature is also brutal. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms are also brutal sometimes. They can kill entire forests too. Yeah. They're right. The, the, well, okay. the biggest organism, organism on this planet is a mushroom that kills an entire forest. It's a, okay. it's a 2,000 hectares big. Small correction from the editing room. The biggest mushroom is not 2,000 hectares, it's 2,300 acres, so around 900 hectares or 1,665 football fields.
I thought was humans. <laughs> well, that, and combine in combination <laughs> the the eight billion of us. Yes, okay, okay. We are the biggest organism. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to urban farming. Yeah. You asked me why. Let me let me give you reasons why. Okay. For me, urban farming, and for some and many other people, it's basically a way to create a more ecosystem society. Like if you look at our cities, if you look at our society, you just said it, humans, we're on this, we're a big organism and we're using a lot of resources and we're creating a lot of waste. And our cities might be even like black boxes, like nodes in that, like there's a lot of resource coming into cities and a lot of waste leaving it. Yeah. And via urban farming and all its many benefits, I believe we can definitely help to create more ecosystem cities. Mm-hmm. And of course, what are those benefits of urban farming? Those the big whys. My my most favorite one is is called an AMI system. Now it's basically called HDEF, High Tech Ecosystem Farming, or AMI farming stands for Aquaponics Mushroom Insects. Yeah, where you create like these modules, vertical farms, for example, is high tech vertical farms. They're basically food inside robots. Yep. Uh, and if you combine multiple of these mo- modules, you can create like an ecosystem where the input of one system is the output of another. So the waste of one system is the input yeah. of another. Aquaponics is a is is a a simple example of that. But if we create that in a big way, uh, you can basically have a, a big building. Yeah, uh, a big building. Which Does it exist? Does it exist already? The big building in my dreams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the world, no. No, but you, you, for example, a big missed opportunity is the Bir Khalifa. It's like one, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a huge missed opportunity. You, you, the biggest building in the world, you know, what's the tragic about this? And it's tragic about many things in Dubai, mm-hmm. many buildings in Dubai. They are not connected to the sewage system. Ah, so that- you have, <laughs> you have an enormous amount of toilets in that building. Yeah. And the way they have to get out all the poo is by having a, sh- a shit ton of trucks <laughs> <laughs> leaving the building and to put it to a facility. Like instead of... that, We, we couldn't use it for urban farming. No, we could. We, <laughs> like if they would have hired me to, do, <laughs> to think uh, about it, I would, be, I would call up the Amy team because we have a team, Amy's okay. Farm Lab. So everybody in Dubai. Everybody in Dubai. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you really want to have an efficient building. Yeah. And not, you don't need to be connected to the sewage system, but you can use all that waste to create so much more. First, uh, first one is very simple. You just put a big biogas installation, mm-hmm. but then with all the nutrients, you yeah. can create so much food and you can have a big ecosystem. We will take up a big part of the building though, but obviously, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a way, you know, I think Dubai is all about showing off your riches. You can show off all your riches by, by, building an ecosystem inside the tallest building in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I was thinking, yeah, probably it's not profitable, but <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> probably. If it, yeah. Because the, probably it's more uh, cheap to hire a lot of uh, bad paid, uh, low paid uh, workers uh, getting all the shit out um, <laughs> than, than uh, making a part of your building uh, 
used for aquaponics or other uh, waste management. Waste, waste management. Waste management. Food yeah. production. Um, it's probably it's not f- profitable, but you're right. Um, I think that kind of bit buildings are all, all, only about uh, showing your richness. Uh, mm-hmm. so, Okay. So they could do it. So everybody listening in Dubai. <laughs> or other rich people. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. possibility to show off how rich you are. Yeah, it can be uh, Korea, South Korea, I think. Um, there's a lot of billionaires in China too. China. The US also has some, or some crypto billionaires maybe. I don't yeah, know. I know some. Yeah. And But the, the, another one is there's a lot of uh, billionaires into space. Like, these types of things are going to make space travel and space colonization happen. Okay. This kind of waste facility, food production yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. But that's only one part of uh, of urban farming. So we can do urban farming on the moon. We can. Well, yeah. it's moon farming then. <laughs> space farming. First, build the, the, the city on the moon. Yeah. yeah. I, I do actually I already have two podcast conversations with people and space farming into space farming two phd researchers on space cool. farming yeah. it's a very interesting subject yeah. but that's again all... why <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> that's a good answer <laughs> I, it's actually well, well come on i'm not going to defend space no, 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 space traveler and no, it's about urban farming because this is one end of the of the urban farming movement yeah. which is high tech yeah and the other one of urban farming is the low tech is the is the vegetable gardens that are shared or the rooftop farms uh, yeah. with just some uh, some raised beds and you growing pe- food with multiple people. Like yeah. in the co-housing project, do you, do you guys have a shared garden? Yes. So? I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the story about our sh- our shared garden. So we have three shared gardens. Um, and well, I think we started three years of after we built the whole place because it, it took a long time to build it and we used our own ha- hands and... Uh, everybody almost got divorced uh, about after the building because yeah it was so heavy for uh, every every uh, marriage and every family. So after three years living there together, we thought, oh, let, what, what are we going to do? We're going to do a shared garden. And in the end, we, we did it two years. Uh, it's like the permaculture, eh? mm. permaculture. We did it two years, and um, then people started to have. Um, hobbies like oh, yeah. I, I started to climb and and the other one started to have a, uh, do like the pottery thing and the, the the shared garden ended up as a as a dumpster actually uh, as yeah. yeah it was not was not really nice but uh two years ago two of my um neighbors they they asked can we have the shared garden not to be shared and not not to be the f- shared like labor and shared food but we use it and uh, they are doing great things that now um i think uh, i think mm, it's really hard labor and the and what you get from it is not that much um and in the core thing the the core has to be like uh, the core has to if you do co-housing or co-working or co-operative, uh, the co has to have a surplus and a, and a really big yeah. gain. And I think in the in the shared garden, it didn't have it. But I, I know other uh, co-housing projects do to have a really big shared garden, and then it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, the the one of the benefits of urban farming is that social part. Yeah, I've been part of multiple vegetable garden communities too. Yeah, we have a new one in front of my house now. Yeah. 
And the big benefit is I know now know my neighbors. Yeah. It's like before I saw them from afar and now I'm actually talking to them. We're mm. having parties, we're having meetings. Yeah. And and but other vegetable gardens, uh, community vegetable gardens, they had the same problems. Like you said, like uh, there was no clear who is doing what. There yeah. was no really like sharing of responsibilities or there there were no clear rep- responsibilities. I think many urban farming people listening who've done this community gardening thing feel the same pain. Yeah. But I do have to say it's possible. Of course it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, it, I think it all starts with uh, so, some people taking responsibility and sharing their knowledge and making mm. it's like it's all about leadership but shared leadership but you ha- have to have some people who are like uh, making everybody enthusiastic and making it, make it also a social thing. Uh, problem in co-housing, there are too many social things. So I, if I have to choose uh, between working in the shared garden of sitting with my neighbors in the shared sauna, sauna I, I sit in the shared <laughs> sauna. <laughs> or the but after the shared sauna, party. you need to cool down in the in the. I, I cool down in the shared pool. <laughs> <laughs> Which is inside the garden? <laughs> Which is inside the garden, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> Voila. <laughs> um, but the second big part, like we, we talked about the social benefits. Like I actually did some research again, like looking yeah. up the research again. And the like a lot of investigation has been done on this urban farming, the shared urban farming gardens and vegetables. Yeah. And the biggest part of the benefits that are gained from these projects are never the food. It's like yeah. one of the lowest reasons why people do social vegetable gardens is like, oh, we're, we're not really doing it for the food. It's a good extra, but it's more for the social connection, for the biodiversity, the prettiness, like the permaculture thing. Like if there would be a lot of permaculture projects or just vegetable gardens, the biodiversity, just like explodes in the area but before there was maybe just grass or just mm-hmm. like a couple of trees but because of vegetable gardens you get an explosion of biodiversity yeah and the last ecological benefit of the open air uh, gardening but also the you could do it in the closed environment also mm-hmm. is um is the buffer uh the buffer of temperature yeah and yeah. summertime it's way cooler mm-hmm. Uh, in wintertime, you have much less heat uh, loss, especially on windy days. But I, I think I have a quiz question of that later. Okay. And the last one is, and maybe even more important since we last year, this year, we had so much, many storms and so many floodings. With urban farming, you temper, you buffer the, the storm water. Yeah. So the biggest gain for people is the social impact it has on their life that you that you said it depends on the project yeah uh but that that's one of the one of the main reasons not all of the reason yeah. but the main, uh, a lot of re- people that want social connection get it via the urban farming yeah. roofs okay uh, on roofs, not necessarily roofs, just shared gardens, shared uh, parks. And are there studies about the, the sustainability of because it's a uh, I know working together is uh, can is really great and yeah, yeah. can give you. But it's sometimes also you have the not so nice jobs. Um, and I've seen some uh, working uh, so collectives uh, working together uh, and in the 
you have like the first three years, it's like the, the honeymoon years. Yeah. It's really great and yeah. all, everything is, is flow and it goes around. We have a nice campfire and we, we, and we are friends. Like. And then who's doing the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who's going? Who's going to to use the really noisy tool we need to use to eh, like like uh, uh, in our project? Uh, the biggest problem was who's gonna mow the lawn? We yeah. have like a uh, we have like a niche, natural natural garden. It's, it's twelve thousand uh, square meter, uh, so that's quite big. But nobody wanted to mow the lawn. <laughs> So we uh, outsourced it, uh, but well, we paid for it. Yeah. Not to one of the kids who needed some extra money. No, because the, the problem was um, that they would mow the lawn on a Saturday. And then we had a whole Saturday. It's a big lawn. Yeah. yeah. So we do it, do it on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, and then somebody... Like a social project, project is doing it for us, okay. and I, I can expect that. in, in the, after the honeymoon years of a, of a collective uh, working together, um, you also have to uh, find a solution on the hard stuff. Yeah, this is basically to... the sustainability of that project. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree, and I think lots of projects have died already because of that. I've yeah. seen some projects die, but lots of projects also have find, found solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to really establish this kind of social project, urban farming, mm -hmm. there will, will need to be found some solutions. That was a bad sentence, but solutions need to be found. Yeah, and a lot of, I think it's a lot of the times it's about scale and about money also. Yeah. Like having surplus that you can pay someone who is doing the dishes for doing the dishes. Or um, making a really good uh, uh, personal gain. Yeah. yeah. And the food is not... Uh, not like enough. In, in, our, in our project, we started the project with a subsidy from the city yeah. of Ghent. Okay. 1,500 euros. We could buy all the materials, all the soil, yeah. all the crates. Yeah. It's there now. But... Uh, in time, you know, the equipment we're buying or the yeah. the, the plants, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have to pay for that ourselves yeah. uh, or the reparations. Or, and I already some voices from the beginning, they were like, yeah, do we need to pay to be part of this and this mm -hmm. and that? And, and that's going to be a question we will have to answer in our shared community garden. Like yeah. in three years after the honeymoon phase, yeah. how will we keep on continuing this? Yeah. And I think then that's a very important phase uh, yeah. where you then have to, professionalize this code thing uh, and really establish it for the yep. next 10 years to go. Yep. I think it's a really important if, if, point here. Yeah. You can because it's, it's not a business, but at the same time, yeah. kind of have to approach it like it's a, a small business. Yeah. It's like the norming phase, it's called, in, in the team development. The norming phase. Yeah, like you have the forming phase and then you have the storming like uh, we're doing the thing and, and it's really enthusiastic but then you have have to make a lot of rules and systems to make to keep make it keep work and contracts eh? so like you're in the norming phase because you gave me a contract yeah <laughs> so that's really good uh, good yeah. and the next phase is the performing phase that's the the, the really the phase where it's where, where you get the real flow not the enthusiastic, uh, um, not the enthusiastic uh, the flow, uh, 
sometimes a little bit uh, without boundaries flow from uh, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people get in after three years get in a kind of cool burnout. Oh. They they gave too much and get, and didn't get uh, enough. Yeah, in return. it happens yeah. so much. Yeah. It happens so much, even in normal businesses and startups. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, I've actually dealt with that a lot a lot of times. Yeah, you, maybe you need a consultant next time <laughs> for your business model. Yeah, one place to go: strategies and. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you also work internationally. For for example, if the Dubai person who wants to build a skyscraper needs some good. Yeah, uh, yes, we are doing internationalization in 2024. We're working towards that in our strategy. Yeah, really? Yeah, of course. You cannot because our baseline is just like strategies and leaders to change the world. You cannot do that between Ostend and Hasselt. <laughs> it's so, 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 um, yeah, uh, it, it's my aim, and I'm, I'm quite convinced we go, we're gonna succeed that we we like we ha will end the norming phase of our company uh, around in 2023 now we have a scalable model in 24 to go first to the netherlands and we already like brussels and and the loon area but i want to go to seattle yeah, yeah. all right seattle why seattle i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think things are going to happen in Seattle. <laughs> no, I, I actually know because um, um, I, I, we need to go where the power is, and we are um, the power in the world is. So we 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 looking at maps where is the the biggest power circles, uh, and we will challenge them with uh, with with um, uh, mission driven companies. But also we support a lot of movements and movement organizations. Um, and in Seattle, you have, it's the hometown of Amazon. Oh, okay. so like the biggest, uh, one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and uh, I think uh, we have to challenge that. Yeah. yeah, we will do that. And how, how will you also reach the powerhouses in East Asia? Yeah, we need, we need to go to East Asia also. So, yeah. Oh, big plans for strategies and leaders. Yeah, I'm going to, that's my, yeah, that's big, before I'm 50, I want to be on every continent. Impressive. Yeah. How old are you now? 42. So I have eight, eight years. years. Yeah. So, yeah. It's going to happen in seven. Seven is the golden number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the magic number. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And then I'm going to be a singer. Then I'm going to quit and uh, everything. And then I'm going to be a singer. No, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? yeah? Why not, singer? Yeah. Okay. Um, we, you have, we have talked a bit about the why of urban farming. Yeah. Do do you like the why? Are you satisfied about the why? No, yeah, a little bit because. But um, I, I heard so much nice stories huh? because I, I only work with uh, visionaries and and with uh, people who want to have social and ecological impact, and um, so I, I, it's a good answer. But um, in my life, I I uh, decided that I only want to work with people who can make really impact have really an impact so my 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 first question is that um what is the potential and the disruptive potential of urban farming um are they real solutions or are they real solutions uh, and can we can you show me the numbers <laughs> um so how how many how many um projects do we need in a city as Ghent, like Ghent or Brussels? How many projects, how many square meters, how many uh, uh, do we need to have real impact? And you told me about real impact, impact is, of course, uh, I think the 
we how many food can we produce that is not uh, in, inside a city but also how many projects do we need to really have a lower lowering of the of the temperature in, in a city or have a, a, a real change and social connection between people so um, uh, are there in the world um, studies or are there numbers who who have um, an answer on this or maybe there is also like a somewhere on the on this earth uh, a, a city who has if, is 10 year in front does it exist i don't know so show me the numbers that we can have really impact because otherwise it's only an instagram uh instagram uh, nice thing yeah. i think there's a couple of things i have to say about that yeah. but the first one uh, is already to say it's hard to quantify yeah because of the diversity of uh, urban farming you have the high tech vertical farms yeah. if you give them like, okay, we need to feed Brussels. That's uh, one million people. Um, but you know, when, when I'm like an investor, I don't like your answer. Eh? You, you, yeah, but yeah. I, you're not an investor, right? <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I might well, have made a, like a few million uh, uh, with some crypto and I'm uh, like, no, you have to, I think that that is not a good answer. So. Okay, well, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Hard to quantify. Yeah, of course. I'm not for easy answers <laughs> yeah. because I'm talking about a movement. And if you talk about individual companies, like if you talk to a vertical farming company, yeah. they will say, "Okay, we need this amount of vertical farms hmm? uh, to produce this amount of food." Simple. Okay. But if you then go to the the less professional urban farming, then it's very hard to quantify. And because they have different kind of benefits than professional urban farming, okay. then it starts really hard to be be, be quantified. Um, and then you have the the second part. The output of urban farming is not necessarily food. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the research showed that for social projects, yeah, the food is really like one of the last benefits that people care about. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then when it comes to a business of growing food, then of course you need to sell that food. You need to make money. But you already see in urban farming that a lot of the farms, definitely the pioneering farms, they didn't get all their money from the production of food. Yeah, It's about tours, education, workshops. That's how they kind of overcame their first years. But the really professional urban farms, they scaled up uh, and they they go full full food production. But that takes time, obviously. And... Of course, and but it, it doesn't have to be about uh, the numbers. Don't have to be about food, the food. But it can also be about uh, the other impact that you uh, of, yeah. of the big, the real impact you want to make. Like uh, um, I do a lot of a lot of impact strategy uh, exercises and also impact measurement. It's really difficult, I know, to quantify, but you can try. You can find key key indicators. Um, like if loneliness in a city is something or in a neighborhood something that you fight we know how how lonely people are eh? we know, we we know we know that and what happens uh um when you uh, do an intervention in this uh, uh we can we can um yeah we we can measure that yeah. um so i think i want i want to challenge you in the in the f- the, the next three uh uh, episodes or the next seasons that was three seasons we're gonna make no 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 this uh, is the third season uh, okay this yeah. season we're gonna okay this season I want to challenge you to, to find some uh, some uh, examples who made really impact and can sh- and can show it yeah not only do the storytelling but also show me the numbers yeah. 
Okay, if there's anybody at home also <laughs> listening to this and has numbers, send them, please. Yeah. But I am actually going to talk to some researchers, okay. like, for, for example, researchers from EFUA, mm -hmm. European Forum for Urban Agriculture, which is yeah. subsidized by the European Commission, uh -oh. to actually research what urban farming does. And yeah. I am. I have actually talked to them before I came here. Like, do you have some numbers so I can give it to Kundras? <laughs> no, because it's hard to quantify. <laughs> <laughs> no, they say we're in the process of doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but in the next years, we're going to have much more numbers. There's already a lot of scientific research, but it's mostly like it's not quantified that much. It's more like these are the benefits, and mm. they have some multivariate analysis. Some. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay, I'm just... No, we lost every, everyone in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't look specifically at the statistics of this research. Mm. I should have done that. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I failed you. Uh, 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 <laughs> the, the thing I want to say is that if, if uh, for a visionary who's do, like into visionary strategy and, uh, and puts his heart out to, mm. to, um, for, for making a change, it's also really important to know know that that it's possible to have real impact uh, because otherwise you come back and fight and some a lot of the, of them come to me and sit in my one of my cha chairs to talk and say like when i've devoted 10 years of my life into mushrooms or something else and uh, i want i think i thought it was possible to change things with that and in the end uh, i uh i learned that it's not possible with that i should have done other stuff so Maybe as a visionary, I want to challenge you to to really um, make your grand strategy also uh, realistic, so mm. that you can say in ten years, "Hey, Kun, I changed something, and I'm really happy about happy about it." Yeah. yeah. Well, now the strategy is to talk about it, make podcasts, video podcasts, promote nice. it via social media. But then, of course, not just because it's mm. pretty and because it's nice, because urban farming really makes you popular. I have felt it. So well, it, but it, gets, it, it gets you late. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so that's all, all the, your cool, cool uh, farm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's only with specific people. Uh, there's also people that uh, roll their eyes when they say, oh, you're into urban farming. Mm. <laughs> <Bye>. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. You know. <laughs> you lose some, you win some. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. But Yeah. So these numbers, we're going to work on those numbers. Okay. Uh, but I did find one number and it's estimated that the world's food supply, 15% uh, comes from urban farming. So that's today. today. But I think that's the wide, in, wide definition of... In India, farming. probably. In India, not necessarily. That's, no? Not that I know. I, the, I didn't look at it. I didn't find... Where? Uh, yeah, I've, I found multiple articles and I went to the source and it was from the Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO. Okay. Uh, but I didn't find the specific numbers and okay. I was a bit too lazy to, to, yeah. to really dig in. Uh, but they say 15%. And that's a lot. I don't think it's India because India is really highly urbanized, the cities. Mm. There's not a lot of space for urban farming. No, no, no. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And but I think it's more like the urban and peri-urban areas. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, and also the, the smaller farms, which kind of like you have the city and the city grew around those farms. And now those farms are all of a sudden urban farms. I think mm. a lot is from there. A few weeks ago, I went to, I had a dinner with a, with a guy who's also into, uh, into, into 
um, urban farming. And he told me that in history that we used to do a lot of urban farming. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I thought that uh, maybe in areas in the world who didn't get as urbanized uh, as, as we are in, in, in Belgium, that maybe a lot of urban farming still is going on in the cities. Um, um, but I don't know. And you're going to find the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Homework. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we go into the... Well, there's some more things we have to talk about urban farming and then uh, to ask your advice on the strategy. Okay. But the first, it's quiz intermezzo. Do, do, do. <laughs> we need, we need a, a jingle for the quiz We need intermezzo. a jingle, yeah. So, um, so I, I've, did I tell you already that I'm also a singer? <laughs> <laughs> I can, for 500 euro, I can make you a jingle, huh? <laughs> Maybe for 450. <laughs> Okay, okay, we'll see. Um, I will talk to Peter, the sound engineer, about this. Yeah. Um, okay, quiz intermezzo three, the benefits of urban farming. So how much cooler, and this is only a green roof. A green roof is not necessarily uh, food production. Yeah. But how much uh, cooler is a green roof compared to a normal roof? Is it option one, less than one degree? Is it option two, between one and three degrees? Or is it uh, option three, more than three degrees? More than three degrees. More than three degrees difference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What's, what's your best guess? I think it's more than three. More yeah. than three. Yeah. That's, that's your answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh, the correct answer. Yeah. And, and it, depending on the source you're looking at, some say three degrees, some say 11 degrees. Like I have a, a roof, like a flat roof um, yeah. above the kitchen, black and to the south. And in summertime, I cannot walk on that roof. I already asked my landlord, like, can you please make a green roof there so we can actually walk on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> like when I walk on the roof, I'm like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's not uh, what's the uh, what's the the English word for moss? Uh, peat, I think. No, like the green peat stuff is what comes after. Uh, uh, no, you don't know. I think it's also moss. Moss. <laughs> <laughs> All the people in Dubai are, are now look, thinking moss. What's moss? <laughs> yeah, some moss. Uh, I, I worked. Uh, I worked uh, on a strategy from uh, to put like moss on. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to describe moss? Moss is like the green stuff. <laughs> the green stuff in a, that, that grows on a tree. Yeah. On the shadow or, side. Or also on rocks and stuff. It's like, gra yeah. it's like grass, but it's not grass. And it's very, it's like a carpet. It's very yeah. fluffy. Yeah. yeah. That's moss. Moss. We think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the moss, I, I, actually it was a, a, a business model. They like put, um, they get moss in West Vlaanderen from the roofs uh, because people don't like moss on their roofs there mm -hmm. and, they, and we put it on uh, in Ghent on the roof roofs because people like moss there on the roofs because it's isolation and it's good for the yeah. climate and mm -hmm. it's good to have between your uh, solar panels because then you have more uh, production uh, it's like 10% more production and you're cooling down and so um, th that's why I knew it there's a big big gain a rooftop has a, a green uh, roof has a, a big gain yeah. uh, and it's only like you have this I, they're called extensive Green roofs, yeah. So they're very thin layer, but when you have the intensive ones and the urban farms, you get yeah, the gains are so yeah. much more. Yeah. 
And it's actually like, even in wintertime, that's especially important for Belgium. With a green roof, you get a 25% reduction in energy costs. Yeah. And when it's windy, which is also sometimes here, yeah. you get 50% reduction. Yeah. That's, those are cra crazy gains, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, so why is not everybody getting a green roof? Because it's expensive. Because it's expensive. <laughs> Then we have, welcome to capitalism. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because uh, we, 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 we like it cheap. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true eh, that that um, I, I have like a really ecological house and my life changed when I moved into it. Because we have, I think, like everything that uh, that a person has to have to have an ecological house, like a, how do you call it? A heat exchanger. And exchanger, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really expensive, but, but uh, my health gains are, are going through the roof. Really? Yeah. I... I uh, have no allergies anymore actually today a little bit but normally i don't have allergies anymore um uh was was fantastic yeah i, I never knew uh, that ha my housing before was so bad and having so much of a, a bad influence on, on my health yeah so yeah. we you, you need a, re a green roof as a, as a big first step big, yeah yeah Well, that's what urban farming does. Also. Yeah. And green roofs, not necessarily urban farming, but they bring a lot of help and we need to invest in the health of our people. Yes. So, yeah, uh, this brings us to the next hard question. Right? I, I prepared it. Yes, you prepared hard questions oh. for me. Um, why is there no big breakthrough? <laughs> uh, no, no big breakthrough. Because... Mm -hmm. I, I've I've met you. Of I don't know if you uh, remember, but so I'm, I've met you three or four years ago about with uh, with the mushrooms, and yeah, I, yeah. I've seen the rooftop uh, people also uh, here in Ghent. How do you call it? Ro are they called roof food. Ro yeah. Roof food. Roof food. Yeah, roof food. Um, but for me as an entrepreneur, so I'm a, like an activist, and and I'm an entrepreneur. I. Uh, also look to the market uh, if it is it is this uh, a blue market is this a blue ocean is this a, um only for the for the uh, innovators and is this growing so is this growing a growing market or is it something nice people do to and when there if when will there be a breakthrough well I have two things to say. And the second thing is, what do you mean with breakthrough? But the first one is, there has been a great evolution in the past 10 years, nine to 10 years. When I, was in, when I started getting into the industry, I saw five companies worldwide doing vertical farming, rooftop farming, yeah. five of them. Like There were probably a little bit more, but there were around five. And then I got involved in the Association for Vertical Farming, and we could still manage kind of the amount of new companies that came into the scene mm -hmm. but by now you cannot you cannot count them anymore there's so many and there's like every big city has a lot of urban farms uh, a lot of vertical farms brussels is for example like one of those cities they have so many projects mm -hmm. they have like uh, the urban the urban gardening and the the social projects but also a lot of uh, professional Farms, mm -hmm. like one of the big sites in Brussels is the Abattoir site. Yeah. And no. Underlet, they have three urban farms in one square kilometers, a big mm -hmm. mushroom farm, a big rooftop aquaponics farm, and a vertical harvest too, uh, who has a real indoor vertical farm 
controlled environment agriculture. Mm-hmm. Like it's growing and it's still growing. Like if you all look at the industry um, market analysis of all the, the investor companies, it's like, oh, the, the industry has been growing in the past uh, years from this million to this a mm-hmm. uh, couple of hundred millions or even billions and it's estimated to grow uh, another 50% every year this kind of yeah so a lot of money has been flowing and especially into the indoor farming scene uh, and this far indoor farming industry a lot of money has been flowing in but you can say the same about social projects like 10 years ago in Ghent how many shared community gardens were there not much. You had, I, I was part of the dog garden. That was one of the first. And you have the Tondelierzite, which mm-hmm. is, unfortunately, it was only temporary. But this has inspired so many people to to do it too. Now, we have one in front of my house and one three streets further. Yeah, And, th- and that's only in a very small area. So there has been a great expansion. Um, but so what do you mean with big breakthrough? What do you need? For- I'll explain. One of my first jobs is that I was working for the the, the organizations who organize agricultural farming. Yeah, it was more than 20 years ago. Um, and I, we organized like a, a promotional week on it. And uh, I think at that point, it was like 3% of the whole of the, the land was used for agriculture, uh, for organic farming. Yeah. And... Um, a few months ago, I looked again how how uh, the evolution was, and I, I think it grew in a few percent. Uh, and of course, ninety five percent of uh, all land is uh, used uh, on a bad way. Yeah? So that's not a bad breakthrough. Way. Traditional farming, traditional farming, but but a lot of industrial farming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of monoculture. I don't know a lot of farming, but in, in, at that point in my life, I learned a lot. Eh? I, I forgot most of it. But if if I think I'm not happy in my life, if I can say like in 20 years, I, may, I made an evolution from one or two or three percent to five, because then um, we are, have so much, uh, we have so much um, challenges in society that we need breakthroughs. We need mm-hmm. disruptive breakthroughs. Yeah. And, and you think those breakthroughs come from technology or because in my view, these breakthroughs are going to happen culturally. So they have an influence on political regulations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always a combination of, yeah. of, 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 a. You have to have alternatives. Mm. That, that's so. I think urban farming is an alternative. That's yeah. one thing, and then you have to have also a movement, but a movement who is not only uh, about the alternative, but is also about fighting an enemy. And who's the enemy of of uh, urban farming? I don't know. Um, I, I thought about the question, and I'm. I don't like the question because I, I like to be yes. holding hands in hands of with course, everybody. Of course, me too. Me too. Kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, uh, the uh, enemy. We already talked about the enemy, and it's cheap, cheap, uh, mm. cheap buildings, for example, cheap, uh, cheap yeah. everything. Yeah. Is cap? Is that capitalism the enemy? No, I, I would say it's a system in which we don't. Mm. Uh, incorporate the the health, uh, the ecological and the yep. social benefits of certain things. So, yeah. so we need kind of those things to be rewarded. We need the the biodiversity. We need the yeah. the ecological, the social 
things. We need that to be rewarded. Do do we need to destroy capitalism? I think there's capitalism where those things are rewarded too. Yeah, but there's always some someone uh, or some company uh, who's getting rich or, get, or getting yeah. gains and doing not changing things. Um, and if you do uh, new stuff like urban farming in the beginning, say, oh, nice, uh, not a th- you're not a threat to. Yeah. Uh, but um, by en- identifying an enemy who has a lot of power uh, on tradition and and not and has the power to stop change, um, by confronting him or her or the company behind him or her, uh, you can you you. you that kind of movement, you also need to have disruptive change. I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example. You have like the movement for sustainability. Of course, that's great. And um, but in the Netherlands, they also have a, a, like movements like uh, stop Shell. That's really confronting Shell. Shell, yeah. one of the biggest uh, oil companies and uh, and uh, polluters in the world. Uh, stop stop Shell. Uh, put Shell down confronting um, an organization uh, and having difficult different uh, tactics to to stop really stop them if you make the combination of an alternative and a movement at also attacking on a nice way eh, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, attacking someone or a company with power then you can have disruptive change yeah. Yeah, so we need a common enemy it's also a question to everybody uh, yeah, and at home. Problem. It's our enemy. Problem is that uh, all the good people, people doing the good stuff, like making new solutions for for a better world and stuff, they all, all most of them, nine ninety percent, they don't like like the question of who's who's right. the enemy because they are. Like uh, very open-hearted people, uh, very loving, loving people. Don't like confrontation. Don't like confrontation, and I th- and one of the less actually my main, uh, I think my main value in strategy thinking uh, with a lot of the organizations is they say, yeah, but we we have to grow the alternative, but we have also have also to confront the the old ways and yeah. the old powers. That's true because. Those old powers are keeping the traditional farming in place, well, industrial farming in place. Those traditional powers keep legislation from, like, we need all the rooftops to be covered in solar panels or green roofs. But an an extra no thing. Did you know that solar panels work better if the the roof on which they stand are green roofs? Yes, I knew because of the moss. Yeah, (laughs) because of the moss. (laughs) That's, that's, That's an interesting fact, like... And who's a, who are the enemies? The people who want to keep the status quo in this in this occasion, I would say. I think I think that um, you don't. I think the urban farming thing is not uh, really a threat. So, but if you gr- if you grow the model and you get uh, if you grow the model like one or two or three percent in a city is produced like that, uh, of, um, then the it will be become really clear uh who is trying to uh stop you yeah and then it's the good moment to have a confrontation maybe it's a good question to everybody at home is like who have you confronted who is against you yeah because in my experience not many people like i have i have confront i have had confrontation with organic farmers yeah especially when i was into vertical farming Mm -hmm. this is not natural this is i'm like come on this 
we can do biomimicry and create ecosystem. That's yeah. like, I always find solutions. I don't say you're wrong and I'm right. I'm saying like, yeah, valid points. Mm-hmm. And this is how we can overcome those. Um, so I'm not confrontation averse. I'm more like, let's find solutions together. Maybe we should look at the Boerenbond. The Boerenbond. <laughs> One of the next people who's going to be on the podcast is from the Boerenbond. Okay. She's doing the Urban Vertical Farming Network in Belgium. Nila Loge and I think and I know her. Yeah. 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 And she 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 has great vision also for yeah. urban and vertical farming. So the yeah. Budenbund is not against it. They're more like, what's this about? Can we get can we can we have this? <laughs> yeah, can we can we use this uh, for yeah, but I think the Budenbund is a like the uh, the Belgian farmer organizations, uh the Flemish farming organizations for people in Dubai. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh they, they they have all the ways of farming. They're like that. It's a very diverse organization, and it's not. It, it's so easy to be against the wooden bond. It's also a multi-billion company making yes. a lot of the farmers um, really dependent. Yeah, they yeah. they're actually a, ba- a bank. Also, eh? they yeah. are a bank for farmers. So, um, and they have investments in in a lot of companies in the traditional yeah yeah so industrial farming. Space. I think the urban farming is really. And a nice extra now, yeah. um, but if you, if you try to um, put the other business businesses down, you will get uh, you will see the real power. And if, if, if this is not, I've seen this in my life a few times. Yeah. If you if you really confront the real power, what happens then? Then um, it's really scary. So if if as the urban farming movement, you start saying like we want to work together with rural farmers, but not if it's industrial farmers. Then you will start getting problems in an enemy. It's kind yeah, of, yeah. If we, if we as an urban farming movement say, yeah, we work with the with the organic farmers mm-hmm. and the permaculture farmers, the agroforestry farmers. And it's good marketing. I if you have an enemy. Yeah, I, I, what's that's the secret? I, I, you know, fair trade, fair yeah. trade chocolate. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 you know the fair trade chocolate? Yeah, the Oxfam and stuff, yeah, they have yeah. sh- chocolate and they, they, ha- they have um, like a, a chocolate bar and it's called uh, Bite to Fight for Fair Trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bite, you see, it's bite. bite for, uh, we, for something, not against something, mm. to fight for fair trade. Do you know Tony Chocolonis? Yes. Yes. Everybody's buying the the, the what, what what's their uh, value proposition? Well, because well, the unequal the chocolate is unequal blocks to yeah. show the unequal inequality in the chocolate trade, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they are against inequality, yeah. against slavery, and that my 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 children they know if they eat and they eat a lot of it, the Tunis Chocolonis that they fight against slavery and. Yeah. If, and the the enemy here is like the other companies and uh, the other companies who use uh, cacao um, that's uh, produced by child slavery and that's really good marketing and it's one of the main because in their marketing putting uh, an an enemy enemy in front is uh, more i think motivating to buy the stuff yeah than um, have saying like let's be in favor of something uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. Like, I'm not convinced about uh, the enemy thing because I think it leads to a lot of 
if you take it to the extreme, you get nationalism, for example, yeah. and you get like uh, the the fight between the US and China, yeah, which yeah. benefits nobody. Yeah. Uh, it's like oh, the Chinese are bad. Oh no, the Americans are yeah. bad, and and. Um, there, there's a technique, technique, technique I, I I I use, and it's uh, it's called democratic polarization. Um, so you can have like an enemy, but you are really nice to the people yeah. of the the enemy people, but you are really confronting in in uh, uh, in the, the in how it the really confronting content. and in the content and the, and putting your your stand. So it's it's it's. Um, Really being really hard on a subject, but really, really loving loving the other, your enemy also. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to, maybe (laughs) the way I work is my my enemy is the past. Okay. My enemy is like where we are right now or where we come from. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can we beat that? How can we be better? Yeah. And for me, urban farming is like, how can we make our cities better? Okay. The enemy is the old ways of building cities. Yeah. It's a stupid way of building cities. It's to make them to, in heat islands or yeah. like let water drain super fast into the sewage systems and then over flood it and, yeah. and, and, and then have floods downriver also. And mm. so to, is that a, is that a good enemy too? Like the past? I, I, I think, um, no, <laughs> because the, the enemy you cannot you cannot change anything about the past and and but I th- I think in your uh, well you change the past by changing the future uh, no, <laughs> slogan <laughs> I think in uh, you should uh, think about uh, um, the big building companies in Belgium the the project owners who who are doing the urbanization is, is yeah. I, I know a lot of of them and I, I've worked with with some of them. Uh, they have. They are really powerful, and they are actually dictating how we are building our cities. Eh? Yeah. Uh, they are uh, like the. Ho- ho- um, I'm not gonna. Do, go, uh, I'm gonna not gonna name you some names, but there are really p- some people in Belgium who are really powerful and and um, deciding how we are building our cities. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and as the last thing I want to add to the common enemy and the breakthrough thing, I think it's also a decision we have to make as the whole movement. What, what do we want to change? I I would change everything. Okay. Maybe we need to, yeah, I need to make choices on, do we want to focus on biodiversity, heat island effect, uh, waste treatment, for example, all can be done, of course, with urban farming. It's a choice we have to make on an individual level with individual organizations and companies, but also as the movement. Or maybe we can make something cyclic. I think it's the difference between grand strategy of a movement has can have like diff, different topics and say we're going to fight different different problems. And, and um, But if you're a company inside it, it's... I see a lot of uh, visionary and idealistic uh, entrepreneurs making that kind of um, mistake that they don't make a business model that's focusing on one or two uh, um, uh, social or uh, environmental solutions. Yeah. And they want to to, um, to um, have a solution for all everything, of the problems, yeah. for everything. Like in the co-housing sector also, people want it. It has to be sustainable. 
uh, affordable for everybody. It has to be inclusive. It has to be a really near a city. Yeah. It has, so those people, they don't live in a co-housing because there is no co-housing who has all the benefits of that. Yeah. So you have to choose one or two. Yeah. But at the same time, the holistic approach is kind of the yeah. the solution for many things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so focusing on one thing is is what actually also created mm -hmm. the problems that we are in yeah. now. And if we want to have, yeah, and that's that's what bothers me a bit about this whole like you start an urban farm and you want to be a solution for everything, but you have to focus on only one or two things that you can solve. It's hard because. Yeah, but you have time, and that's that's. What do you mean? You have time. You have time. You can you can oh, yeah, focus. Yeah. I think in the first three or four years, is, is focuses everything, and making an, uh, a good business model, making profit, making it scalable. So that's really important. And if you get, uh, I'm, I'm I'm again at this point in my life, so I can have have a, uh, have surplus now. So I can say, mm, let's take an, a second. Uh, problem and we're gonna also uh, tackle that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so scaling is means scaling also in the possibilities of 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 comp of solving complex yeah. uh, complex problems. But as a very small organization or a company, you trying to, to tackling, problem. you have to take one problem yeah. and first scale it. Yeah, and then you need allies, right? Because if you yeah. tackle one problem, there's ten other organizations that possibly tackle ten yeah. other problems. You have to work together. Yeah, and then you have to how do you say organize that too? Yeah, that uh, that's that's what the network organizations I was part of tried to do, like unite these different players who tackle different problems yeah. and are all part of the solution, basically. Yeah, and have smart alliances. And I see in, in alliances sometimes that uh, you have like the discussions, I'm the really good company and you're only focusing on one problem yeah. and you're not good enough. And so the, the, the there's like, uh, we um, you can work together and push each other to uh, a non-sustainable business model uh, trying to tackle everything or you can uh, acknowledge everybody's effort and say okay let's work together and uh, and strengthen uh, everybody in a movement or everybody in a, in a in a ecosystem of companies um so i think in, in smart alliances it's really important to to not criticize each other Yeah, and support each other. Not and criticizing is so hard. Yeah, yeah, especially in Belgium, eh? Flanders is yeah. like the like all the 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 doing people going doing good stuff. They have to focus on what's wrong and mm. uh, in a in in in, in, a, in another business. No, just focus on what's right. Say you're good, doing really great stuff. I'm guilty of this too myself. I, yeah, uh, I have. So you, I'll end up with uh, with giving you positive feedback. Then. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Um, I've in my life, I've like always been like, "Oh, you do this, but is it enough?" You know, this kind of, and it it's not, it's not a 
should talk with your, with your therapist then. Yes, I have talked about this so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the, with the father relation probably. Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But maybe yeah. this is not for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Is he listening? <laughs> well, there's other podcasts from Ghent. It's uh, Bespreekbaar, something like that. I don't know. They yeah. talk about how we should talk about mental health. Ah, okay. And I think uh, I think everybody should go to a therapist. But that said, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of like a, make a group uh, group purchase of therapists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think therapy should be like going to the dentist. Like your brain needs some looking yeah. after. I, I'm doing group therapy. That's great. You do that? Yeah. Like in the movies, like yeah, like you have these circle circles and eighteen guys, eighteen guys. So it's great. <laughs> it's, it's really true. It's true. It's fantastic. I have like it's like a circle. We come uh, every month. We come together. We have we pay someone uh, who is like our leader who are organizing organizing everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, maybe it's, it's not also, a podcast, but uh, you also do hugging and hugging, hugging. We do like uh, everything you think. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to gonna do the like this like two days in a sweat sweat hut sweat sweat lodge sweat, sweat lodge yeah, yeah. yeah. two two days uh, yeah. the whole time not not sauna but it's, uh, it's like two days with uh, with uh, uh, some rituals and and uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I've I've kind of avoided those. It's really scary, also. I, really yeah, scary. Yeah, because it's scary. Yeah, like my masculinity. Really, like, do I have to be vulnerable with other guys? <laughs> yeah, yes, you have to be vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like in the. I guess like I, I'm a big fan of Band of Brothers, for example. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, in wartime you create this inseparable bond because you're like fucking your life is on the on the yeah. line. You're you're you break sometimes and then you create this bond with other guys. We don't have that that much. And I'm not part we of it. We need more war. We need more no our, <laughs> yeah, we need more enemies in urban farming. We need to fight together. No, no there's a growing movement also of um of really strong men having places where they can um, be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Ah, fuck. Vulnerable. Thank you. Yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe, so, maybe we can be vulnerable on an urban farm. Have you thought about that? There's a lot of yoga on the urban farms. So like rooftop farms. Yeah. That's the yoga, yoga on the rooftop. I thought, farm. Yeah, the stereotype. So you have a lot of yoga, <laughs> yoga people, urban <laughs> farms. Maybe I don't want to be in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I and mean, even even like uh, it's um, is it Cotton Greens or is another? No, it's Brooklyn Brooklyn Grange. I think it's one of the first big urban farms, yeah. like rooftop farms, and they have weddings on their farms. Uh, and tai, like chi. The, tai Chi, Tai Chi, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably you can do everything on an yeah. urban farm roof. But if we need a breakthrough, if we want a breakthrough, we have to get like from the innovators also to the early early adopters and maybe. That, that's a good that's also a good question maybe how can can we get out of the alternative um it looks alternative yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the people look alternative and it how can we uh convince no. my parents that's it to to do this kind of thing they can play petank <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. <laughs> There's definitely one roof to farm out there with a petanque yeah. or with a badminton. Or yeah, a yeah. badminton is maybe not old people. What do old people do? They just I don't know. leisurely walks. They walk a lot, and, yeah. and if you, they they like to watch too, and from a rooftop farm, you have an amazing view on a lot of people. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they never see because most people don't look up in the streets. It's, I look up a lot because I look like, uh, is this a possible rooftop farm? Is this a possible rooftop? Oh, yeah, there's actually a garden there. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Mm. But uh, the time has come for a quiz intermezzo far. Can you please make the, the jingle? No. First pay me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I pay you in lettuce? Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't, uh, I only eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> I will get you one of the goats of my rooftop farm. So, so like uh, so, uh, the the project with the pig, uh, Artvark. Yeah, is it still uh, is it still on? Was it the Gentian one? I don't know. I'm, uh, Spilvarken, I'm, Spilvarken, Spilvarken. That yes. that kind. Of, yeah, it's not on. Uh, maybe it's like Spilvarken started with one project and then it kind of yeah. like went to multiple neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think st- still some of them are going. I, I, I never saw. Uh, uh, a varken like that. I don't know where a pig uh, in in Belgium from what? that project is. No. Well, they they get cuddled and then they <laughs> go to the slaughterhouse. Okay. And there's like yeah, there's some beautiful stories about uh, some vegan activists really like wanting like there's so many horrible things in the world of of slaughter. Yeah. And then they go to the pigs who have a good life and and actually probably make more people vegetarian than they do oh, yeah. they're like oh <laughs> i love this pig and why would i eat this pig you know yeah, yeah, yeah. this makes more people vegetarian than you know yeah. this is kind of weird yeah. but anyway yeah. quiz intermezzo Quizzes. four so we talked about the benefits of a green roof mm-hmm. uh and stormwater mitigation yeah very important now the question is like how long does it take for the water of a green roof to reach the sewer like like normally that's like a couple of minutes like rain drops goes to the sewer immediately with a green roof how much less is it or how much more time does it take is it 20 minutes is it three hours or is it one day on average uh, i'm gonna use my neuro-linguistic programming <laughs> uh, wizard uh, wizardness um i think it's the second one yeah why why three Three hours, yeah. About as only a, on uh, your intonation. Oh, really? Damn it! Mm. This time you're right. This yeah. time. It's three hours. <laughs> what are my tells? Like my voice is different. I cannot I... tell. I, I signed a contract. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's a, like a, the research says that green roofs. That's not even an urban farm. I think yeah. an urban farm is even longer. Okay. But they uh, reduce the stormwater peaks with sixty-five percent. Mm. That's a lot. Okay, and that's that could like uh, really mitigate some of the problems. Yeah, with a lot of rain. Yeah, and then if you combine that, for example, with just like using rainwater mm-hmm. to flush your toilet. Yeah, if every apartment or rooftop or house would have that, that would already be such an improvement. If every roof taking a shower, taking a shower. I've, I've taken a shower in uh, with uh, um, rainwater yesterday. Yeah. Your co-housing has rainwater, or it was a special place. No, in the co, uh, we have, uh, yeah, we have uh, rainwater showers also. Yeah, nice. Yeah. See, that's you're part of the future, Conrad. I know, I know. Yeah, but who is the enemy of rainwater usage for showering? Um, I think it's the, <laughs> the, I think it's the the technical companies who are building uh, normal uh, who are building. Houses, they it's more more difficult, I think, to have good um, 
a, a, a like good water to, to use it also in in your sh shower i don't know i'm not a technical guy mm -hmm. uh I, so because this doesn't really happen it's hard to define an enemy when with using rainwater yeah okay no so i'm just trying yeah. to make it hard on you yeah no, it's okay <laughs> you yeah. make it hard on it didn't me. work but i make it hard on you <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's all about it <laughs> It's all about making it some. We, we, I, I just told Kumbaya we have to work together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good balance between fighting yeah. the enemy and at the same time working together. Okay. Um, I think it's time to go to the final question. The final question. Anna, you actually have still one important question. I have one? The final question is mine, but you have still one. Oh, yeah, okay. One important one. I'm gonna ask another question because you prepared <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, so, um, can you tell me something about the biggest success uh, on in urban farming and the scale uh, of it? And what did they do? Maybe you cannot. Eh? Then you can ask. What did they do to scale this uh, this the, the project? What is the biggest project? What is, what is like a, the Freiburg of the, of, of the, what, what's the, the, who is like the leading company in this? The leading persons. Can I give you two answers? Yeah. Like one of them is a real farm and the other one is more like a, because lots of the money flows into the industry, especially the controlled environment, agriculture industry mm -hmm. flows in there because they, and big investors invest in the technology. Yeah. So there's some companies really like they received millions of investments mm. to scale up their yeah. aero farms is one of them. That's uh, okay. New York, Newark. Mm -hmm. New, no, sorry, New Jersey. New Jersey. And uh, New yeah. Jersey based company and they're expanding rapidly. Yeah. And I don't actually know if that company is economically sustainable already, but they have already but got so much investment. Yeah. Um, normally if they got so much so much investment they have a plan and they have a plan to be uh, become really sustainable huh? yeah. Yeah. they got millions we have also one company in belgium here urban crop solutions okay they also one of the better technology providers in in their farming one of their farms is in antwerp plant well plant is using yeah. the technology of urban crop solutions okay uh, big shout out to plant good good job guys <laughs> so I, I hear that it's technology G-based solutions that get, that, get that are to, scaling. Yeah, but the other one, the other farm I want to talk about is uh, it's one of the farms I interviewed in my early days of the Twelve Steps to Farming. And when we were doing the interview, mm -hmm. they were still in the basement and like like this very tiny farm. Yeah, uh, still relying on subsidies of the Brussels government. Yeah, and now we are, I think, five years later. They are in the basement of the abattoir, uh, expanding rapidly every year. They they like build this bigger farm there, which was economically sustainable. Okay. Now they're doubling the size. What of are the they farm. producing? Mushrooms. Uh -huh, so, yeah. <laughs> Le Champion de Bruxelles. Yeah, it's like uh, it's my like I'm a big fan of those guys uh, of yeah. what they do because they also walk the talk. They are mm -hmm. reducing waste, so they're using waste from brewery. Yeah, to grow mushrooms on. Not all of their mushrooms are on the waste yet, but they are tackling that problem. They have their own hmm. production facility. And I'm really, really impressed by how well they have expanded. Yeah. So so if I um, am right, uh, 
you didn't succeed in that. I didn't succeed. Yeah. So what do they different? What did they do different? Um, well, I had I have made a podcast. It's in Dutch, but I have okay. written articles about how we failed as Pod and Snow. Yeah, but but let's talk about their success. They, uh, they're doing something right that you didn't do. They, they for sure, well, first of all, they started with subsidies, so they had more <laughs> air to breathe. Yeah, okay. Uh, we didn't yeah. have any subsidies. Yeah. We, we actually got a subsidy, but then we actually already decided to to, to quit. Okay. Um, I think they took their time much more than we did. Mm -hmm. uh, they expanded slowly, but steadily. Yeah. Uh, and they had uh, they had a very good team. I think team, the team was very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had a lot of troubles inside our own team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, if you fight all the time, yeah, you can fight. But if you fight all the time, then yeah, it you lose more energy yeah. inside than actually solving the problems you have. And that was. Uh, yeah, I think that that is as a. Thank you for the answer, because that is one of the answers uh, for a lot of. Um, scaling of social solutions because you need the right people yeah. and and um, um, on, on three levels I think you need the right people you need the right people they, they have to be involved in the solution so they have to be also have a vision and stuff but that's not so difficult you have a lot of people today compared to 10 years ago or 20 years ago who want to change stuff um, but you also need experience Yeah. Um, if you start a company, do it together with someone who already did it one time, yeah, maybe two times. You need that experience. And third, and that's the, the, the biggest problem, I think, um, you need people who are um, emotional on a, on a kind of level. Mature, uh, yeah. mat maturity, we call it self-autonomous. So, so uh, they have to be in control of themselves. So yeah. I have sometimes I get really angry and 15 years ago I could punch through a wall then. Yeah. Now when I get angry I know how to handle myself and yeah. stuff. And if if you are in a team and you have really visionary people but who are not uh, mature enough to to be owner of a company and and it can be get really ugly and most of these startups and and the the mission driven startups and uh, have problems because of this. Yeah, that's why I'm also a big fan of the therapy part of the discussion we had. <laughs> yeah, like that therapy really helped me. Yeah, um, like part of the problem was me, but part of the problem were of course, yeah, other people. Yeah, how to handle anger, how to handle each other, yeah. set boundaries. Yeah, set boundaries. Yeah, and sometimes just like it's not a match, and it's if it's not a match. Yeah, and then turn Did it back. Yeah, 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 but <laughs> sometimes it's impossible. Right? Yeah. And uh, you're already so far. Yeah. The ditching or doing a Facebook or something. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. um, but that was the failing uh, project. But yeah. there's projects who are really like scaling up, and okay. there is, I believe, like uh, organizations like Plant or. Le Champion de Bruxelles, yeah. they can really like go to multiple cities and expand yeah. vertical far uh, urban farming, vertical farming. You have um, was it's also a Brussels project, mm -hmm. Peace and Loves, mm -hmm. Peace and Love, I think, okay. which has a a type of um, business around uh, the social gardening. Mm -hmm. They they have like somebody working in the social garden, mm -hmm. uh, making it nice, but the people own their own plot yeah. and can go and harvest there. 
And Peace and Love is also one of those. Mm. They already have three urban farms, for example. So yeah, that's yeah. a business model that's definitely scalable. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, you just need to... I think those those are three companies that really have a lot of potential. Yeah. Okay. And, and I hear you that when, when you're saying that, if I summarize... Uh, access to money, money and, and, the, and on the long term so also having a sustainable financial business model uh, but also having access to good people uh, yeah. and a good team that's the, the, the two main I think um, things you have to have before you, you start and sign a contract and, yeah. uh, and start a business yeah. and also a big one is infra infrastructure of course like yeah. for the scaling yeah. up we need if we want yeah. all the, the roofs to be green yeah you need a lot of roofs <laughs> and, and yeah. better infrastructure because a lot of roofs cannot handle a green yeah. roof let's, let's not even a, an urban farm is even heavier of course yeah so new buildings need to, like forest urban farms okay <laughs> <laughs> and then if you have more of that infrastructure you get more yeah uh, ability to scale up those businesses because now it's really hard to find a to good find spot. a good spot ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like for example roof food here in Ghent they started with the punt yeah. they built that roof and they needed somebody to like yeah. uh, use that uh, they, they also they already built it with the perspective of, yes. a, of a roof yeah. uh, uh, of of a roof garden, yeah. yeah. And then the person Sabine came in and he said, "Okay, I'm gonna do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then okay. uh, they did it. That's more easy. Unfortunately, yeah. roof food uh, stopped. Ah, why? Recently. Yeah, because of the business model, it was hard. They they did a lot of experimenting. Yeah, they didn't they didn't have a good consultant, I think. Then <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> I I think there's uh, more yeah. factors playing. Of course. And in my opinion, they had a good business model because they were doing catering. Yeah. And the rooftop farm was more like the marketing. Yeah, and I think food, food is still. Yeah. Food is re the, the, the selling food is a really hard business model and selling pro processed food. And yeah. so, um, catering is, I, catering is really hard, I think, yeah. to, to get a living out of it. But you do like they, they really had this really unique selling point. Like mm -hmm. uh, half of our food is coming from a roof. Yeah. And you immediately get the, the extra value from selling the food yourself mm -hmm. there's there's nothing in between you use everything yourself yeah because like but food is so cheap in this yeah. society that's the problem i feel that people compare also not if, not yeah. if you put extra value like mm -hmm. i interviewed also a long time ago cultivate a city from washington okay and, and niraj is like the leader of the that organization he says like add extra value yeah like if you have a pepper, make pepper sauce and you okay. can ask five times yeah, yeah. the price of what you would get for the pepper. Because you have, have the branding of the pepper. Mm -hmm. The pepper comes from an urban farm. It's from around the block and people are willing to pay more for yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the hot sauce. Yeah. From our roof. Yeah. 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 For example. Yeah. Okay. And those, those are the possibilities. I also saw that with Pot and Still, people from the neighborhood, they were like, wow, a farm. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's in our neighborhood. Let's go and visit the farm and just buy 30 euros of mushrooms, which I would not do in a supermarket. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, um, yeah. and that opens also a lot of possibilities for rural farmers. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. Rural farmers with the connection to the city, with the urban farmers. Yeah. And, but uh, maybe that's a conversation for another time. Maybe with Nela Lourdes from the Budenbund next okay. month. Yeah. Because she, she really looks at that. Okay. But uh, my final question for you, Conrad. Yeah. 
how how should I go about this now in the next the, the next part of the season? Which question do I definitely have to focus on? And like, where do I have to find solutions for the whole of the movement? Where, what do I need to focus on? What, what words do I need to spread all around the world? Yeah. How do I convince people in Dubai? So, um, I think um, in this stage of a movement, it's really important to uh, share... Uh, and, and you did that uh, uh, to share uh, lessons learned, and and we can have a we can have you can have a lot of podcasts on uh, what uh, is going well and, and and stuff. So I think um, it would be nice to have a lot of people also who uh, tried and failed and and share their lessons. So um, uh, not only on this, but I think mo we can learn the most uh, as a movement. We can learn the most uh, on. Uh, of people who who failed and failed f fast and failed forward and and tried uh, tried again, so I, I would invite that kind of that kind of people. Um, and the biggest question I still I still have is uh, about the numbers, <laughs> and not the numbers uh, of, of of food, but uh, also about what is the impact you wanna wanna have uh, and social ecological services. Yes, and and and. Um, is it really uh, scalable at the level uh, that we have real solutions on the, on the problems you you told me that uh, urban farming is a solution to? Yes, I believe that on a on a academic level. Yeah? But if we put it in practice, do we have enough roofs? Uh, how many years it would, will it take to have the roofs? We, we need to have the uh, urban farming on the roofs to uh, lower the temper temperature. So that kind of, of um, questions I would ask myself and um, and have the answers to. Yeah. yeah because in a pitch for an investor and for a, 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 a social investor that, that would be really great and I think that makes a difference between having between a subsidy of a few hundred thousand euro and and, and a real in, a real investment yeah and I think this the sector can use this yeah okay let's do this yeah <laughs> do you have any final advice before I embark upon this quest Final advice? No, I think it's great that uh, I said I would give you positive f feedback. Uh, so I, thank you for the coffee. It was really good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had a great time. I think it's it's great also that you talk really openly about uh, yourself. Mm. And and um, and um, so that my uh, I had a nice time. That that's maybe the the me too. It was very fun. Um, why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? Yes. Well, I told you the why of urban farming in the yeah. beginning, and I kind of rolled into it as my kind of right, life's it. mission. Okay, <laughs> this is your life mission. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's like this when I finished my studies, mm -hmm. like 2012. I was like, "What I'm gonna do with my life?" Okay. And then I started thinking, taking my time. Yeah. All of a sudden, I saw this big vision of this huge. Okay. Vertical farm, yeah, Bir Khalifa like, okay, uh, but so, yeah, that. so that's great. You most of the people in their life they don't find a mission, and that's mm -hmm. okay. That's also okay, and so you found you you found it, yeah, um, and 
in my experience, some that can be also really heavy because if you find your mission, yes, you also have a, you have to have a meaningful life accomplishing your mission. And it can be really dark and can be moments where, where you don't have the money and it can be moments where you have a lot of responsibility. Mm. But I think if the, the, I would give you the advice to keep on trying. And and uh, and um, and I think that's a great journey. And if you are really focused on it, you can also achieve your mission. So we maybe we should uh, catch up in fifty years or something, and uh, and then you tell me how you uh, accomplished your mission on a big rooftop. <laughs> on a big rooftop, uh, yeah. An orchard rooftop. That's my dream. An orchard rooftop. An orchard rooftop. Okay. Yeah, like a, a beautiful garden with an orchard. Yeah. Cool. With bananas. Bananas. <laughs> Probably there will be a lot of banana trees in 50 years in Belgium <laughs> because of the climate thing. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe, but, maybe. So that's, uh, I'll put it in my agenda. Then. Okay, 50 okay. years, 2080. No, 71. 71, yeah. 71, okay. 15th of December. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'll be still alive. I don't know. I'll be a very old man. <laughs> no, and then we have, we'll have technical <laughs> solutions for that. <laughs> It'll be like a version 3.0 of you. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. With life experience and just the silicon biological body or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe another kind maybe of Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't maybe think it. <laughs> maybe let's just let's die. <laughs> okay. Okay. In 50 years. Yeah. 50 years. Okay. On the orchard roof. See you then. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for this conversation, Kudrat. Thank you for listening to I Ask Therefore I Am Season 3, How Are Urban Farmers Changing the World? Many people always ask me how they can support this video podcast. Those are the amazing people. And there are three possibilities for you, at least three possibilities. The first possibility is to just share this podcast or the many podcast promo videos via social media, uh, via emails to your network. Like, this is an important podcast for you, dear friend. Or just word of mouth. Talk to your friends and family about this podcast you need something to talk about in a family dinner perfect second option is to just give your feedback in the comments or answer the quiz questions from the podcast in the social media comments the youtube comment or just f- email the feedback to me at jeff at i asked therefore i am jeff with a z c-j-e-f that's my name third option is to become a part of the Iatia community so I ask therefore I am community via Patreon from two euros a piece you can support this video podcast you just go to www.patreon.com slash Jeffanaker Jeff with a Z Vanaker with CK so dear friends dear listeners thank you again for listening to I ask therefore I am how are urban farmers changing the world See you in the next episodes for more answers and keep on asking questions. Jeff out. Mm-hmm.